0: Everyone and welcome to another episode of Salt in the City. Today I'm with my friend from Johns Hopkins University, Jesse Schumann.
1: Happy to be here.
0: Oh, you're my first fellow Blue Jay.
1: Yeah, and hopefully not your last. <laughs>
0: well, you're, it means that I think you're special to have you on the podcast. Oh
1: well, <laughs> I guess that'll reveal itself whether I'm <laughs> special or very ordinary.
0: No, I think it'll be great. So, we're, Jesse, where are you from? How old are you? What's your story? What's my story? Richard so, cool. <laughs>
1: I'm an Aquarius. <laughs> um, I've never had ketchup before, um, what? which Is are both ch- true. But I'm from Long Island. <laughs> <laughs> I just turned 25 last month. And um, I've been in the city almost like three years now. I um, live in Brooklyn. So, yes, came all the way to Manhattan for you. Uh, you should oh, feel very honored because I try to avoid this place now. And if I didn't work there... I would kind of never come
0: here. That's (laughs) Um, fair. Wait, why don't you like ketchup?
1: I just like, my mom was always averse to it and sort of raised me that way. (laughs) Like, I have this crazy story where my sister, we'd be at my grandparents' house and my grandma would like put ketchup on like white bread and Mm. like slide it under the door to her as a snack. And that's like kind of scarred me (laughs) forever.
0: As it would anyone. (laughs) Right.
1: So no ketchup.
0: Interesting. So where in Long Island are you from?
1: So, I grew up on the south shore in a town called Merrick, which is basically this like Jewish mecca. Um, so, like, I went to a public school that was ninety percent white and Jewish, and it was a public school. Um, it was like five minutes from Jones Beach, so oh, cool. you know it was nice in some ways. Like, I had a car, I was able to like drive down the Ocean Parkway, um, and it was it was good. But you know, Long Island's a tricky place. Yeah. So
0: wait, that's funny. I actually interviewed someone else who's because i know nothing about long island so when i ask where i don't know why i do that because i don't know yeah i don't know anything but he said he lived near jones beach so maybe maybe it's a similar town possible but um what was high school like for you
1: kind of strange i mean i was like a total nerd yeah i was i was really good at science i like wrote poetry and i was like gay and you know i feel like a lot of the things that like kind of made me nerdy in high school ended up making me kind of cool in college so it was kind of good to get away from there Um, but I think overall it was like pretty good I had a good core group of friends I had an older sister who would like buy us beer and cigarettes Um, you know I grew up on the water Mm -hmm. just like some pretty good stuff Um, but my parents don't live in the town that I grew up in anymore and I think we're all sort of happy to have left it behind in a weird way
0: oh gotcha and what it, like why'd you apply to hopkins
1: so it's a funny story because like i would fight with my mom so much about the hopkins application mm-hmm. and like i think one of like her only like big fights right like you slam the door and you're like i hate you was me like trying to apply to hopkins and for some reason
0: Oh, she didn't want me to go. Well,
1: she wanted me to go. Oh. And I was just, like, so kind of burnt out at that point with, like, between SAT. Like, you know how it is. And at that point, I was really into science. So, when I first got to Hopkins, I was, like, a neuro major for the first semester until I took chemistry and realized, oh, wait, I'm really bad at math and I got a D minus. Maybe I'll switch to writing. (laughs) We'll probably get to that. But, like, those college essays ended up being some of my most creative ones. Interesting. And, you know, it ended up being the best school I got into, which I think for me was like, I was always going to go to the yeah the best school I got into. Um, so if I hadn't gotten to Coppins, I probably would have been at like Emory.
0: Interesting. With
1: uh, my other Long Island Jews uh, <laughs> yeah, or true. like NYU with, you know, Sam. <laughs>
0: <laughs> wow. Okay. Yeah. That makes, I guess, more sense if you thought you were going to pursue Science instead of pursue writing from the beginning. Right. And,
1: well, the thing about Hopkins is, is like, sh- I ended up graduating with a writing degree and my grandma still asked me if I'm going to be a doctor. Yeah. But a lot of people don't know that, like, we have one of the best writing programs in the country. Yeah. And exactly. one of the first. Oh, really? Yeah. So, while I was there, I was able to work with, like, a National Book Award winning author. You know, there's some things I didn't love about the program, but, mm-hmm. you know, I think there's... There's a good community of writers there.
0: Definitely. Overall, what did you think of your experience in Hopkins and college in general?
1: I was so happy I did it. Mm -hmm. My first choice was Brown. I did the whole ED, waitlist, blah, blah, blah thing. And looking back, I probably would have hated the person I would have (laughs) become if I had gone to Brown. (laughs) And I think Hopkins was a funny place where it was like, I never felt like it was this super like, huge PC place I thought it was yet at the same time it was like very open Mm -hmm. and we had fun and the academics were rigorous sure but you know you that's what college is for and really important (laughs) and it was just a really good mix for me and I feel like I really kind of found my people there and like I would say most of my friends like 90 percent of my friends are not from college yeah and sort yeah. of looking back on it, I can't imagine having done it any differently.
0: Yeah. No, I feel that too. It's like I can't imagine – or I don't know how it had just happened that I made, like, the best friends that I did at Hopkins. I don't know if I loved my experience, like, academically. Right. <laughs> just because I, yeah. like, was crying all the time because of, like, the classes and the rigor. But I also did that to up, up to myself, so – was
1: a funny thing about hopkins where they we were like we keep crying like it's so hard and they're like how would you guys feel about free massages given <laughs> by your peers outside the library and we'd be like <laughs> okay <laughs> thanks i guess
0: yeah and i think it's one of those things where the everyone's like oh it's so cutthroat and so intense but that's only because we just said that like you know what i mean we were like manifesting our own destiny by being like totally. this is a horrible place like I'm so depressed all the time and, like, this is so in- intense where, like at the end of the day, it doesn't really matter.
1: I kind of felt like it was this feedback loop where we were like, oh, uh, it's so hard and then it became hard. Yeah, and exactly. And we just sort of, like, because, I don't know, maybe we had to tell ourselves that it was so hard and, like, oh, we go to Hopkins.
0: Like, yeah, we have to, like, just, or it'd be like, I got a 30 on that exam. Like, I got a 29. <laughs> yeah, and
1: it was probably curved up, like, fifty five <laughs> points.
0: Yeah, exactly. Um, So then... What led you to the job you are at now? And also, what are you doing now?
1: So I work for Penguin Random House. I'm in the editorial department of Random House, um, which is the largest publishing company in the world. Um, How I got there, I've I've sort of just been, like, between my high school literary magazine and all through college. I've just, like, sort of been editing people since I was 17, basically, and writing my own stuff and there sort of became a crossroads for me where I sort of decided to embrace the, the literary life uh, for better or for worse and the thing about publishing is that there are so many hurdles to like getting your foot in the door anywhere because mm-hmm. every English major that's graduating from any university is yeah. trying to do the same thing because oh great I have an English degree and I need a salary now it's it's a good option for those people so I think I ended up completing like five internships I didn't get a job until a year after college because I was still interning and trying to build up my resume and I worked for all of these like impressive literary agents and like the most like literary house um that published like Nobel Prize winners and the job I ended up getting was working like in the world of commercial fiction which is like thrillers you buy in the airport those are great yeah they're great and they keep the lights on in our industry uh, because they're what sells but it's just sort of never where i saw myself exactly but it's been really good for me to i think diversify my taste and my my knowledge base um and so yeah it's really great
0: so basically you read all these submissions that will eventually turn into fiction like fictional novels, po- like poems and et cetera.
1: yeah, so the thing about editorial is is I think a lot of people think, oh, we just like sort of edit the book and leave, but editorial is you acquire the book with the company's money, which could be for thousands or even millions of dollars. Jeez. And then you edit the book, and you're the one who basically has this relationship with the author. And so you sort of shepherd them through the entire publication process. Cool. And you're the the point person, which makes it sexy <laughs> and competitive. Um, but it's great because you get to work with, like, all of these personalities. Yeah. Who, for better or for worse. Uh, <laughs> and you're engaging with the writing. And, you know... It's a lot of highs and lows, I would say, because when something really exciting happens for an author, you like, that's great. But when, you it know... It flops or something. It flops, that's really disappointing. Or, you know, I read a lot of crap. It's like okay. shifting through garbage, I would say, on the manuscript pile. But, like, when you find something that excites you, like, it's enough to keep you going for a little bit longer.
0: So, how many submissions are you getting a week? Or like, uh, are you
1: reading? <laughs> I would say I read dozens of novels a month.
0: That's insane. I've yeah. gotten pretty
1: good at being like, okay, 50 pages. I can tell we're not into this
0: Got it. stopping.
1: But <laughs> I read a lot kind of nonstop, uh, which it's sort of good that I work on a commercial side of things, I think, because it allows me to cherish what reading what I enjoy Yeah. in my own taste so much more. I think that it would be very easy to get burnt out if I was just.
0: Definitely. What are some common themes? Like, or are there any common themes between the things you're reading? Like, do you find they're mostly sad, mostly happy? Like, what's that like?
1: So, because I work with so much suspense and thrillers. Oh my God, that's
0: going to be so many nightmares.
1: <laughs> well, right. Sometimes I just, like, will be reading something and be like, wow, I need a hug right now. <laughs> Because, like, people go dark, and I think especially now, like, yeah, people are so desensitized to things that a lot of author instinct is to go shock value, which, okay, sure, <laughs> there's a lot of, like, I'd say in this sh- space right now, there's a lot of, like, domestic thrillers, so a lot of, like, mom-daughter, like, mom-baby, yeah. like sort of Gone Girl, or...
0: Yeah, the, the Sharp Objects. Sharp Objects
1: is a great example, and they're all called the perfect wife. They're all called the perfect mother. They're all called, like, That's all so the funny. mothers I left behind. Like, you know, <laughs> it's something that, you know, that someone who just needs a breezy read on the train, on the airport, yeah. is going to keep you trying that, to the That pages. makes a lot
0: of sense, thinking about all the, like, recommended Reese Witherspoon books and things like that. Yeah,
1: um... Which is also a funny thing that, of all people, Reese Witherspoon is like the guiding, yeah, I know <laughs> beacon of what is going to sell in my industry. Is who would have thought? And I have the Jenna Bush book club on the Today Show. Um, I can't really talk about it, but one of the books I worked on is going to be next month. Oh, that's so Reese exciting! Pick. So, and she's awesome. So, Seriously, good things sorry. happen that. sometimes. <laughs> yeah.
0: But do you like learn anything from these I mean I guess you're reading mostly suspenseful novels but like what are you taking away from them
1: I think a really good suspense novel well of of course a lot of it's plot driven and it also you sort of want that to be the meat of it but at the end of the day these are psychological books mm-hmm. and you hope that they are tapping into s- something that could be universal or relatable you know I think with this, it's a bit more, like, id-driven in the sense that it's, like, fear or what would you do, which is always, like, an interesting scenario to get readers to think about. Um. Interesting. But, you know, I I work on a lot of stuff that's, you know, more general, like a lot of, like, family dramas. um.
0: Do people talk about mental health at all? Like, thinking... I'm thinking more, you know, like, Joker-type thriller.
1: Yeah, I mean... (laughs) I work on the U Books, the like not the Netflix show. Oh so wait, oh my god. Yeah, I'm working on the third My boyfriend's
0: b- like obsessed with that show, but I haven't <laughs> seen it.
1: Yeah, so Penn Badgley is your sexy stalker serial killer Oh yeah. Serial nightmare so slash in right sweet now. dream. Yeah. So I think there's also this sort of like move to like understanding the killer and like Yeah. Finding something sexy in that, which honestly like maybe Like, you see tweets that are always like, Taylor Swift, run me over with your car. Like, I think people (laughs) are sort of just (laughs) into murder.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I mean, it's almost like um, Ted Bundy just took over the 2019. (laughs)
1: Right, well, how many documentaries right now yeah, on Netflix are. and Amazon Prime Are there B- about oh my gosh. just well, Ted Bundy
0: And I mean you know, like the whole Aaron Hernandez Thing yeah I guess it's yeah. like very Like Zac
1: A- Efron played Ted Bundy I know that
0: was really Which
1: is curious <laughs> But yeah I think I think what always attracts me to books Is Or especially fiction Is sort of You're reading something that you know is Inherently false and not true and make believe And yet We look to literature for, like, exposing so many truths about ourselves and our world. And for me, that's why sort of literature and books have always been sort of solace for me. Uh, Is the sense that even if someone's experience is different from mine, which is... Or even finding something in a book that, like, you relate to so hard. Yeah. That it, like, makes you feel seen and it, like, kind of warms your soul a
0: little bit. I love that. No, it's so true. There's like nothing like that.
1: Yeah, and I, I movies do that too. But I feel like, to me, there's like actually no better feeling than like being so in a book that you can't put down.
0: Yeah. Oh my gosh, that's that's so true. And I just have so many books where it's like a quote that's just highlighted and something about it. Yeah. You're just like, that sums up exactly how I'm feeling. Totally. What's, like, one of your favorite books that makes you find that solace?
1: Hmm. I read this book in high school and it was through this literature teacher that I had who sort of changed my life. Like she was always there for me. Like we're still very close. And she had us read Toni Morrison's Song of Solomon.
0: Love that book.
1: Which, right. So you've read it and there's something like
0: my favorite literature teacher show us that book too. I love Mr. Spears.
1: (laughs) And it's so it's yeah. Shout out Miss Lopez. Um, (laughs) it's so like magical and the scope is so large and yet it's so intimate and you know at the, s- the center of it it's about this black experience but i just think that there's so much beauty in it that like anyone can take out of yeah um that's such a good book such a good book
0: r.i.p tony morrison R. P. Oh,
1: love her A true legend true legend i don't know if we have anyone like that Right now anymore, who's alive and writing like that?
0: Yeah, I mean, I am not as is v- versed in the in books as I should be, and just like current authors. But I'm trying to think of I don't know. My roommate is really. Is, has really great book recommendations. And she's the one who told me to read it, A Little Life.
1: Oh my god. Oh my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> Did you read it?
0: Talk about an emotional roller coaster. I don't think I've ever cried so much in a book. Okay, <laughs> so
1: that book gets a lot of shit. Really? Yeah, because a lot of people think it's like tragedy porn.
0: I mean it is really depressing. And to a
1: certain extent, like it is. Yeah. But I've been like chasing that feeling that I first got when I read that book, which is like are you going to make me cry five times on the subway? Yeah. Like, there's something so skillful in that.
0: And it's just so beautiful.
1: And it's so beautiful. And you love those characters.
0: hmm
1: and, and you want to read
0: 800 pages. Like, only a certain type of book will be so good that it's 800 pages long and you're crying the entire time, but you still read it. And it feels so quick. <laughs> and it's like... Yeah. Wow. I just remember I was... I told my mom to read it after me, and... I just walked by her in the living room, and all of a sudden she's crying, and I had no idea why. I was like, "Whoa!" She's like, "Oh, I don't want to ruin any of the the plot." But <laughs> I remember,
1: <laughs> I remember being in a bookstore with my mom when I bought that, and she just looked at the cover and she was like, "Really?" <laughs> I give her book recommendations all the time, and she's like, "Looks sad. Probably not gonna read it." <laughs> which, which are the best? Books. Fine, but like, I think you're missing out. Like, I read books that feel sad or feel anything <laughs>
0: <laughs> have you read um tiny beautiful things by cheryl strade
1: mm. where it's like her dear sugar column yes yeah
0: that's one of those books where i was reading it i read it after i graduated high school and then after i graduated college and it's like the perfect book to read when you're in like a life change so true There's this. I I remember the last part talks like to your her twenty two year old self, and I'm like, I'm twenty (laughs) two. Like this is meant to be (laughs) something. Yeah,
1: that one really spoke to me. She's she's quite a marvel, I think, and so wise, and like those are examples of stories that like are so different from your own, but like she manages to make her her advice touch everyone. I think. Yeah,
0: I think it's because she had so many terrible experiences in her own life that she can literally relate to almost anything someone's going to through. Yeah. Which is, I mean, not a uh, desirable quality, but it's do amazing. We know mm-hmm. Do
1: we know if that's her real name? Like Cheryl Strayed? Like she's straight no, from the path.
0: No, uh, I think she talked about it in Wild that it's not yeah. her. She like made up her last name. It's kind of clever. Yeah. I kind of l- love it. <laughs> uh, no, she's an icon. Okay, so going back to mental health, hmm did you ever or have – or do you currently, like, struggle with your mental health at all? Have you ever suffered with anxiety or anything like that?
1: So, I don't think I'm diagnosed. I don't, n- like, have to see a therapist, even though I think I should. And I think – I think everyone should. Everyone should. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I, I do think that it manifests itself in certain ways. Yeah. I am a person who fluctuates between either being super gregarious and outgoing and charming and personable or completely shut down. Mm -hmm. Like, I'm a compulsive nail-biter. I think that's probably some sort of manifestation of anxiety. Uh, Yeah. Um, I have felt depressed in the past. I don't think enough to sort of warrant me to take serious action against it like it's something I've like mentioned to my parents before and they're like you'll be fine yeah which is something you don't love to hear Mm -hmm. I think especially in our generation we're much more in tune with the signs of these things um but yeah I would say that I struggle with those types of things on the average level
0: and like when you're feeling you know sad or feeling like that do you feel like you can talk to people or
1: oh absolutely I think my friends have been a big outlet yeah for that there have been a few times I could remember where I've texted friends and been like I feel really weird like I feel really anxious I feel really depressed like I don't really know what to do and You know, it's hard to sort of know what to do with that. Yeah. Maybe it's just listen or come over and distract you. And they've been really good about that. I I try not to tell my family that because I think they have a tendency to either overreact or underreact.
0: Yeah. And you don't want their response to make you feel a certain way. But I think it's pretty great that you know that you can just shoot over a text to your friends and they'll... Like and that that even just I feel like setting that text in itself is cathartic, totally. You know, and n- not many people, and especially not many guys, can like feel that they can just do that. Which yeah, is,
1: I think it's especially hard for men. Yeah, um, I think I'm generally known as a very sensitive and emotionally just pe- emotional period person. So I don't think it's sort of out of left field for me. I
0: yeah. If anything, if I feel like you know, you're artsy, you live in Brooklyn, like, yeah. like, <laughs> yeah, just
1: comes with, comes with the package,
0: but it's, it's almost like people would be, yeah, ex- exactly, like, it wouldn't come as out of left field, but, and yet it's so hard for just, like, guys in general to open up, which is what's leading to, like, the suicide epidemic, and just so many crazy things,
1: yeah, I mean, especially for straight men. I think it's incredibly difficult because you're dealing with
0: toxic masculinity. toxic
1: Toxic masculinity, and you know, it's not macho to to show any emotion, which I think is dumb. Dumb and a little sociopathic. I mean, I there are days in the city where, and this happened to me last week, where I don't know if you've ever had it, where you're just sort of coming home from work. And you're on the train, or you're going through Penn or Barclays or something, and you're just like, the city is disgusting. Yeah. All these people keep touching me. They're also weird. Like, I feel stifled. I feel claustrophobic. And in some ways, I think that the city is, like, our best friend and worst enemy yeah. sometimes. Because it's confining, and then sort of there are times where you, like, dissolve into it and feel this sort of like in touchness with Mm -hmm. all these people around you and yet at the same time like when you're on the subway everyone is tuned into their own podcast or their own music or their own book and i always find it funny how sometimes you're on the subway in the morning and it's silent
0: yeah no that's so true it's like the most connected and most disconnected city in the world right it's so crazy it's
1: like i feel like there's some weird underlying thing that makes them go hand in hand yeah um and I don't know I also find it kind of being gay in the city kind of (laughs) sucks to be honest with you like it's the best place to be gay in the entire world probably but it's also like I don't go out in Manhattan anymore because every time I go to like a gay bar I feel like I'm at like a sexy Hitler Youth convention (laughs) where like everyone's 6'3 and blonde and like has huge abs and i'm just like what am i doing here <laughs> everyone's so hot like no one wants to talk to me because like the person next to them is like probably more interesting and more hot so i stay in brooklyn where everyone's queer and like kind of ugly <laughs> and like mullets are making a comeback in bushwick i just want to say which we should stop yeah i was gonna say was that, um, is that a good thing or a bad thing and i think that a lot of my anxiety has kind of come from that in a weird way which I totally acknowledge is, like, from a deeper sense of insecurity. Mm-hmm. Um, but, like, I didn't have those, like, outlets in high school. Yeah. Like, I didn't really come out until I was 18. So, and like,
0: were you still in, in high school or, like, senior year? It was, like, my senior year. Interesting.
1: Because I got into college and I was, like, I got nothing to lose. Yeah. Um,
0: How did your... Par- did your parents know p- earlier? or?
1: Oh, did they know earlier? <laughs> yeah. So the way it happened was we were at the dinner table, and it was during the, like, Romney-Obama election. Right. And I dated this girl in high school for, like, two years. Wow. And, like, we had never done anything. But one day we were, like, smoking weed in my car, and she was like, I'm a lesbian. And I was like, I'm gay. Wow, well, that's great. Like, Right. And so one night she was like, I just told my mom, like, feel great she knew all along and i was like you know what i'm gonna wake my mom up and tell her and so i did because i just felt like she should know first yeah and then it was fine she like did the whole like i'm crying are you sure but i think that's just because like she didn't want life to be harder for any of her children yeah and then we were at the dinner table and my dad was like should i vote for obama or should i vote for romney and i was like if you vote for romney you're voting against me because i'm gay and he was like dick move and he was like yeah no shit like you wrote poetry all through high school and i was like oh <laughs> cool so i don't know i think getting to college and like having my first boyfriend which was a disaster you know yeah. um, <laughs> helped a lot and like you're sort of in a s- safe space there or at least a contained space yeah and then you're thrown into the city of eight million people where all those people you got so close with like sort of dissolve into mm-hmm. all these people you don't know and then you sort of have to start all over again and so I think a lot of my anxiety a lot of my self-image issues I think are are just coming from reconciling with how I place myself in this perceived world. Yeah. like Instagram.
0: It's the There's city. just so many things. It's so, I think about that a lot, just how living in New York is just, for an extended period of time, and not even extended, I've lived here, what, like a year and a half, but it just, You everything becomes normalized, even though when you put into context of the rest of the world, you're like, this is so unique. Like, there's nothing right. else like this. Why do I expect this to be the norm everywhere? Right.
1: And I hate that so much of my, I guess, mental health stems from other people. Like I wish if like if I was gonna be depressed, I hope it like came from within, As or like, like it was something I
0: nurture kind of thing.
1: No, I just wish that it was something like, like a chemical imbalance. Like I'm just placing myself in the context of like other people I deem Got better. It. Yeah, which is such a crappy but don't you? I think way to experience they go hand the in world. hand a
0: little bit. Like for me, I know I was really, really, really opposed to any type of medication at first, and I was like, I don't want anything, you know, like messing up my brain or whatever, and like long term effects. And then I switched doctors, and I I got a really great doctor who was just like, listen, if you take if you have a headache, you take Advil, you know, if you're really ang- anxious about all the time and you can't function. You don't know why. Like, you take medication for it. And then it's, I was like, oh, okay, like, okay, maybe you're right. I was like, lay out the, you know, like the Hopkins in me. It was like, let me see, like, the, how it will affect my brain chemically. a little, yeah. And, but, I so I think it's, I don't think it's one of those things where, like, it's like, which came first, the chicken or the egg kind of thing. because. Yeah. I do think like a lot of times I'm like oh my god why didn't this person text me back or like they must hate me and all that and right. it's but it, that's also because I'm just an anxious person like yeah. so it's me but it's also how I think others perceive me so it's kind of like that deadly combination of them both where just like everyone hates me and, and then anxious.
1: Do you think a boyfriend helped your mental health? Because I really want one.
0: No, <laughs> I think so. I think about. This all the time, and I asked, "Do you know? Do you listen to we banded and Acme? Yeah, podcast. Lindsay Metzler, I love her. Love you, Lindsay. I, <laughs> I had her on, and and we were talking about how I don't. I think you need to love yourself before you can let someone else love you like the way you, that they should. That is true. And I did not love myself really until I started medication in July, and then I got a boyfriend in September. Yeah. And I don't think it was just like happened that I was single for five years and like just coincidentally those two were right next to each other. Yeah. But I So I mean, maybe it is possible. I just don't think I'm the type of person that would have handled a new relationship well if I weren't wasn't in a good mental state. And that's fair. Yeah, like I get stressed. I would or I i would get stressed if like a friend didn't text me back and i'm like why why are you yeah. getting anxious over this whereas like imagine if i had a, a guy who i was into and not texting me back i probably would have like fully just passed out
1: oh god now i'm afraid of all the anxiety i might <laughs> have inspired because no, i'm the I, worst <laughs> text her back
0: no, no <laughs> <laughs> now i'm now i'm good now i'm like wait okay step yeah. back from this like Maybe they're just, they don't have their phone on them. Maybe they're at work because you text them at 2 p.m. Like, oh.
1: I mean, you know what you got to do? You just got to, like, don't be afraid of the double text, the triple text, oh, the quadruple I'm not, text. I'm like, like, ping, ping, it's me, bitch. Like, re- you know? <laughs>
0: red, uh, like, red alerts or read alerts, whatever they're called, red receipts. Oh, like, those stress the shit out of me.
1: <laughs> I have them because they keep me liable <laughs> to those I love.
0: That's Okay, then that's fair. I don't. Because they just stress me out. But I don't <laughs> know. Maybe they're just crazy. But I don't know. Maybe. I i don't know. I don't know. I feel like you. I don't know. What do you think? Do you think you can. Like l- someone can love you before you love yourself? No. Yeah. Right. Because it's like.
1: And even if you do like. That's going to be so toxic. I feel.
0: Yeah. If you if you need someone else to bring you up then like they become too much of a support and if you lose them then you're fucked
1: right you want to be the best partner you can be and not
0: yeah you and not to have them re- be your savior exactly but I don't know I'm also just so like new at dating that I like don't know how to be a girlfriend <laughs> like, like why do you want to come over again
1: <laughs> yeah
0: it's you know it's weird I'm like too independent but working on it. Maybe it's the We're Virgo in me. We're figuring it out
1: like I think. It's the girl in me. The Virgo. <laughs> the Virgo in you.
0: <laughs> I'm just too, like mm. anal about everything and. Yeah. What's your moon sign and rising?
1: <laughs> You're, I'm gonna make myself seem like a very intense alien, <laughs> so I'm in Aquarius Sun, Aquarius Moon. And a Scorpio rising.
0: <laughs> I'm. Oh, wait. I knew so you were gonna I'm be just a Scorpio rising. I'm I a spacey,
1: it. like, intense.
0: Wait, that's so funny. I was going to guess you were a Scorpio rising.
1: M- were you? Mm-hmm. Interesting. Yeah, I, were just, pro- I inspire fear. <laughs> My mom's a Scorpio. <laughs> I'm like, eh, a little yeah. bit. Yeah.
0: No, I'm, I don't know. I'm a Capricorn moon, which I don't know what that means. Probably that I'm moody and, like, depressed.
1: Well, Capricorns are very driven, very ambitious, very go after what they want in like a very passionate and fiery way. And
0: then the Virgo sun is just like nope.
1: Yeah, so you got so you're very like earth sign grounded like Yeah. analytical, little anal, yep. Ca- calculating.
0: Yep, and then Aries rising. Oh so Oh my I god, you're like a,
1: <laughs> you're intense.
0: I, I'm really <laughs> intense. <laughs> and I'm like And
1: I'm like everyone chill out.
0: <laughs> yeah, then good. we're probably like our co-stars would probably be like you guys can, you guys can hang. Yeah, never
1: like <laughs> be in the same room unless you want to cause like a nuclear explosion
0: of me of With you and me. Oh, Probably. Yeah. So, I'm going to ask you some questions that I I always ask people that I took from the 36 questions to get to know people because Okay.
1: The New York Times one. Mhm. Okay. Are you going to look into my eyes while you do it?
0: I can, if you want. <laughs> What's one thing in your life that's happened to you that's made you a stronger person today?
1: Uh. Mm. Family squabbles with things like addiction and drugs and forcing myself to learn more about that and how I go through life
0: and do you feel like like you experiencing it or watching it watching it and do you feel like it's shaped you into how like you want to you know like live your life and then shape others lives if that makes sense
1: eventually I don't know if I practice what I would preach on here a lot of times we're like because I feel like my life right now is like sort of so routine when it comes to work that Mm -hmm. when it becomes time for the weekend like I sort of you know how it is you go out with your friends and you go to the same bars with the same people and drink the same amount and
0: it's hard to change routines it's hard to change routines old habits die hard and it's full of cliches
1: (laughs) and it's hard to reconcile with how I live my life and how I acknowledge I'm living my life with this knowledge that I am prone to certain things. Yeah.
0: But you're still self-aware enough to recognize that. Right. Like you can step back and say, okay. Like Like my family was,
1: my dad came from a hard background and my mom's family, like he called them the Waltons from that old TV show where like they would say like, good night, Jim Bob and good night, Ma," good night, dad, you know? Yeah. They were perfect and you sort of realize that like all of these things are a veneer. And now that I've gotten older, what I thought was a perfect family like had all this shit behind it. Yeah. And so I think you've you've that teaches you to live your life sort of not cautiously, but with the sense that like nothing's perfect but it could be great. Yeah.
0: Oh, I love that. That's so true. Do you believe everything happens for a reason?
1: Yes. Why? I don't know. I feel like... (laughs) Maybe I'm just a sucker for fate.
0: Yeah. It's The poet in you.
1: It's the poet in me, and I just think that... I think a lot of the bad things that have happened to me have
0: like made you stronger,
1: made you stronger. Mm-hmm. But also your life follows a path like this is such a superficial example. But like I said this before, like, I'm so glad I got on to top Gun's because I couldn't imagine having done it any differently. Yeah. Because it introduced me to all these incredible people that I love. Led me to where I am today. It's just, like, your life follows a path.
0: Yeah. No, and I it's agree. it's going to be what it's going to be. I also think that the best way to live your life is to have that mentality, thinking that everything happens for a reason, because it's like, okay, this happened, like, how, like, what What are we going to learn from it? Where is it, or where are we going to let it take us?
1: I mean, you should still always put your best foot forward.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. But as in, like, if something bad happens, you see, that you look for the silver lining.
1: Yeah. I, th- I like thinking that I can be an active player in my own life while my life also has a destined path.
0: Yeah. Ooh. I like that. If a crystal ball could tell you anything about yourself, your life, the future, or anything else, what would you most want to know? Oh, my God. <laughs> if anything.
1: What would I most know? Want to know? Wouldn't it be great if you can just, like, have someone, like, give you your identity as a person, your whole essence, and just, like, four words? yeah like what would yours be like ooh my sexy tan short girl <laughs> <laughs>
0: like just four words or does it have to or be like a, a saying you,
1: I don't know I guess they could just be like scat could just remember? be like,
0: <laughs> <laughs> actually okay so oh my gosh what's his name he was in FISA your year Tom Fiorelli yes Tom yeah. Fiorelli once told me he's like oh Zoe you crazy little one and I was <laughs> like I love that <laughs> he's Shout also a crazy he's also a crazy little <laughs> yeah. one. so
1: what would um, yours be oh my god i don't know <laughs> i'm scared um
0: what do you want to know your four four words as it as in so what so do i not- want
1: my four four words to be oh
0: yeah or what do you want i was gonna say you would want the crystal ball to tell you that but also what would you want them to be
1: um geez. i asked the question i don't want to answer it um i
0: asked the original oh whatever
1: Moonlight, (laughs) 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 Uh, (laughs) creative, successful,
0: beautiful. Love it. (laughs) Do you have a favorite quote? But but
1: wait, to go back to the crystal ball, I probably just wanted to see what my life would be like in 50 years.
0: Oh, yeah, that's true. It's I like a quick image. I want to know, like, lottery numbers.
1: That's a good one.
0: I stole it from someone else I interviewed, also Virgo. Um, yeah, do you have a favorite quote or anything from, like, a book that you live by or, like, that oh resonates my God. with you? Oh, so many,
1: but uh, it's so hard to keep a mental re- repository of that stuff. Yeah. You know what I mean?
0: But, like, a one that you instantly think of. Oh, my God, it's so hard. I guess you have a lot of words. Uh,
1: shit. Um... This book I read by an author named Catherine Lacey. She has this book called The Answers. And the book is kind of very wild. It's very out there. It's about a woman who has this mysterious illness, and this technique that gives her relief is super expensive. And so, to supplement her costs, she begins to work for this actor who's setting up this experiment in which women play out different types of girlfriends so she's the emotional girlfriend there's the anger girlfriend the maternal girlfriend and all these things interesting and it's a quirky book but there's this line in it where she says you know sometimes i don't know all the answers but i would do anything to cross like over to the threshold to some understand someone else or if I had my phone, I could probably pull up the real thing, but I think a lot of the book has to deal with like connection and searching for answers. Like, and I think it leads to an interesting question of like, can you ever really know someone and understand them? And can even, can you ever really understand yourself? So I, I like that quote of like, i sort of always trying to extend a bridge into someone else's life and trying to understand them and I've always tried to live my life empathetically. Yeah. It's Even like, if you don't have a clear answer, I think it's there's something worthy in the effort.
0: I love that. It's like a take on, you know, like Atticus Finch's quote, right. and things like that. Yeah, no, I'm a huge, huge proponent of empathy and that whole outlook. What do you love most about yourself?
1: Hmm. my eyebrows (laughs) (laughs) Um, someone else I I interviewed (laughs) was like my eyes (laughs)
0: Um,
1: no on my hinge profile I have like my greatest strengths are my eyebrows and my muscles which is funny because I'm like 130 pounds (laughs) (laughs) Um, (laughs) uh, I would say my friendliness like it's always kind of come out to bite me in the ass Some ways in which, like, I had this ex-boyfriend who was always, like, I don't understand, like, why you talk to all these people or, like, why you have so many friends. And he was always super dismissive to people. Mm -hmm. But I just always think that it's, like, great to have as many allies in life as you can.
0: Yeah. Because at the end of the day, like, people are going to remember you for your, like, you want people to remember your good qualities. And you want people to be like, oh. Right. Yeah. That's. That's like projection on his part, I think. Yeah.
1: So even though I'm a Scorpio rising and probably give off an intense vibe, I think at the end of the day, I'm pretty good at, at finding common ground with people. And yeah, no, that's a, a great quality.
0: And last but not least, how do you find solace in the city?
1: Leaving it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's what that's uh, what Francis
0: Ellis said. Uh,
1: I mean, I'm literally going out with my parents <laughs> on Long Island right after this podcast. Um, You know, I talked a lot about the routine of my life right now, which I think makes me feel a little stifled. Mm. And one of the things that's helped me is making my time more active, which doesn't mean, like, going for a run or (laughs) exercising, because screw that. But, like, if I'm going to read at home, like, I'm going to go read at a cafe instead. Yeah. I'm gonna go work at a cafe. I'm like gonna get out into the world. I'm gonna go for a walk. I'm gonna go buy a little tchotchke. I'm just like gonna spend my life just occupying it with things that might be trivial but are still something. Yeah.
0: No, I love that. You know, there's so easy just get stuck watching Netflix and you're right,
1: ready. exactly. There's nothing worse than like the episode switching between a Netflix series and it's <laughs> the black screen and you're just staring back at yourself <laughs> with a double chin. With Dorito crust all over your mouth, like and I've <laughs> very much bought myself in that position. <laughs> so
0: Coming from experience. <laughs> you just
1: I don't know. I I have I get out there. Yeah. I think.
0: Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna try to start doing that more. But anyways, Jesse, thank you so much for being my first Hopkins guest. It's
1: been a pleasure. I was nervous, but it's
0: where been can everyone <laughs> follow you if you want? <laughs> you just like almost at
1: chessie shoe
0: <laughs> i'll i'll put all of your information or er, i don't know because it's like not promoting anything I'm, i guess ju-
1: pro- i have a brand
0: yeah well they can enjoy seeing your pictures just like i do it <laughs> sounded really creepy all the photos of corners on my
1: instagram <laughs> yeah literally
0: but yeah thank you again and um bye everyone subscribe yeah. rate review
1: bye <laughs>